listening, a very warm White Cat welcome as you're tuned in to the White Cat Outdoors podcast. What's going on, guys? Another episode, another week. Thanks for sticking with us for this long. Uh, you got White sitting here recording. Tommy's sitting over there. Hey, everybody. And Nick's over there. Hey, what's going on? And this week's episode is the host hot seat for our buddy Luke. Glad to be here, guys. There he is. Thanks for coming on, buddy. It's been a while since we've had you. I know. I've uh, I've been out on the water recently while you guys have been recording, so got a lot to talk about. That's good shit. Um, all right, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll throw it over to Nick. He's got some, some things he wants to talk about a little, a little bit before we get way into it. housekeeping. Yeah, I think that's what he calls it. Yeah, I Start like us off. housekeeping. So, like you said, yeah, I got something pretty cool to announce. Um, Lone Wolf Custom Gear, uh, we're all, all big fans of their products for hunting. Uh, their main purpose is like mobile uh, setups and, you know, getting mobile while you're archery hunting. And I guess you could do it while you're rifle hunting. Yeah. But, uh, just recently they've launched their pocket arm, which is for, uh, recording your own hunts. You could use it for self-filming or if you've got a cameraman, they could use it too. Uh, but this thing is insane. So let me just run down here and give you the specs on this thing. It weighs 1.6 pounds, which if you're into filming, that's extremely lightweight, uh, when it comes to the camera arm. And that's the entire thing, including the strap, the, uh, the hub that mounts to the tree. So there's no, it's like a one piece connection or one part connection. Uh, you don't have to carry a bunch of different things. It's not like this huge boat, boat anchor, um, that you're, you know, trying to lug over your shoulder and even better this thing. The reason they call it the pocket arm, it fits right in your pocket. Get out of town. Yeah. I, I might have to use my old one as a boat anchor now that you're talking about this one. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> folds down to the compact size of 12 by six by one. Fits right into a side pocket, you know, on your cargo pants while you're hunting or whatever. It's insane. Uh, it does hold up to, uh, I think they said, it's not on their specs sheet, but um, I think they said it holds up to four and a half pounds on the tip of it, which is... Should handle just about any camera. Yeah, but there's a video of the guys that designed it uh, putting 20 pounds on the tip of it, and it's still got full range of motion, no flex or nothing. It's pretty insane. Um, so, yeah, it's, like I said, it's got your standard 29-inch... Uh, reach like any other camera would it's got three axis points so i mean it's legit and it's for sale right now at lomewolfcustomgear.com we got one order yeah we got one on order because we're gonna be filming some hunts this year so i suggest everybody else get out there and do it as well can't wait to try it out yeah so that's available get after it you want to know what else is available nick could you tell us please? what is it our new youtube video really what's it about uh, I got together with some buddies, uh, Anthony Nicoletta and Bailey Maloney. Uh, Bailey uh, runs a little page called Chromatics, and Anthony runs a page called A underscore N underscore Fishing. Nice. Actually, actually I'll throw uh, their links right in the uh, description of the video, so perfect, it'll be easy for them to find. They're, uh, they're from Erie, Pennsylvania area, just like us, and they hit the streams probably even harder than I do, and... Uh, steelhead fish and trout fish all over the state and even into Ohio and New York also. Um, but we got together with them and fished some local streams and caught some big steelhead. So if you, you want to catch any fish, well, watch the video. It says different. I don't know. But we'll have to check it out. I gave a few tips in there and showed you how I rigged up my setup. And we got some, some good film of, of us. I also just completely side note, it is April, what, 9th? Something yep, like that. April 9th, and uh, I'm looking out the window, and it is snowing yeah, right it, now. Yeah, it was snowing like, this morning. Snowing I was like, when I woke up, I was like, what is going on right now? Like, it's been 
like 50, 60 degrees every day for the last couple of weeks, and I was, uh, now we got this crap. I was planning on fishing tomorrow, and I figured all of my fishing and snow gear was over, but doesn't look like it yet. Yeah, I don't think so. Looks like you're going to be bundling up tomorrow. Yeah. So, so. Uh, what, what did you plan on going after tomorrow? Uh, I was uh, just actually got my boat out of winter storage, my little 14-footer, and... Now you're uh, describing it as if you've got more than one boat. Is uh, that, like yeah, it, we should all know that. Well, your boats... you, you should you should always have more than one. You should always have more than two. Actually, I should say, um, you know, because <laughs> really? well, the way the Just way I see from it, a boat addicts. Yeah, pr- perspective. Uh, yeah, it's a um, it's, it's kind of like an AA meeting, but a BA meeting, and it's uh, pretty badass actually. See what I did there? No, there um, you go. Just a bunch of guys with a bunch of boats. But anyways. Um, I like to have different boats for different waters, like for small lakes and stuff. I got a little 14-foot boat, and I also like to do kayak fishing. So I got my Eagle Talon kayak, and I got my big water boat. It's a 20-foot Tierra, and me and my grandpa are working on a 16-footer right now. Um, so, yeah, we... Uh, you never want to have to start swapping poles and tackle out of your boats. No, you just and and that's why I got six hundred rods and reels at home too because I don't want to have to change anything out if I want to change a lure then grab and a then, new rod. Just grab a new rod, yeah, and I'm ready to go. No wasting time. Exactly, that's perfect. But yeah, as Tom was asking, uh, I was gonna take my little boat out and uh, try and catch some perch tomorrow. Uh, my you girl- and I went out the other day. We had a little bit of luck. It was a yeah, little slow. But yeah, we caught. Started off a little bit better good, than finished, but. It was I I went out uh, the following day that me and you went out and went into some some deeper water and ended up finding quite a few fish. I actually caught a uh, a white perch that right now with the Corona thing everything's shut down and I really didn't care too much to submit it, but I caught a white perch that was probably better than half a pound over the current recorded state record. So that was. That was pretty cool, but he's down there swimming for someone else to catch and turn it in if they really want it. Well, you, since you know where he is, you can just go back and get him again. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, I, he'll he be in the same spot. They don't really yeah, move. Exactly. It's like us, they have houses. So, would, would you mind giving the listeners out there a little bit of insight on how you approach the early season perch fishing, like this time of year? People are just getting the boats out. Early, how do you attack? Early season is quite a bit different. Uh than summer fishing for the perch uh in any of the great lakes really um in the summer times just like most other fish they're going to work their way out into the deep water and being that 50 to 70 foot of water i mean that's what it is in lake erie and schooled up and you're dropping from my understanding they they follow like the water temperature they prefer a specific temp and they yeah they they keep they keep moving out yeah so i mean right now the water's pretty cold ice off they're spawning right now they're in the shallow water they're in the bays um they're in the channels and they're pretty finicky right now a lot of guys actually me included right now i still use uh ice fishing tackle when i'm fishing for the perch i don't use my big crappy rigs yet they're pretty finicky and they don't want to see a a big hunk of lead out there and a bunch of wire and everything so in the summer months crappy rigs are fine you can drop it down there and catch them all day long but right now sometimes i'll even prefer just two split shots and a single hook with a minnow drop it all the way down and that's what we were catching most of our fish on the other day was that yep split shot and a hook we we did have a couple crappy rigs down just kind of dead sticking just to put more bait down there to keep 
keep them close if they do come moving through but most of our fish yeah like frank said were caught just on the single hook with a single minnow but so i do want to you know like i said frank said this is the host hot seat um so this is an episode we're gonna it's all about luke here we're gonna dive into a bunch of different things get some more stories out of them some more tips but uh i do want to start with maybe obviously we all know that fishing is definitely what gets you outside what started this whole addiction in fishing for you um now a lot of people like when they go hunting they'll they'll be addicted to either archery hunting or even you guys i mean you're all around and like uh hunt for turkey and archery and rifle and a little bit of everything but that's kind of how i am with fishing um there's not really one thing that's really struck me that this is why i like fishing i mean i enjoy fishing from the banks i enjoy taking my boat out i love stream fishing i love fishing on my kayak but if i had to back it up to like first memories we got a big i think it's a quarter or half acre pond in our backyard and i used to go back there after school and i'd get off the bus and run down the driveway into the barn and have a little container of dirt in the fridge with some worms that I dug up and Tom actually made a worm bed back when we were young. I remember that. That was a long time ago. He used to What's crush up some crawlers in that baby. Oh yeah. yeah. I used to that crush up used some eggshells and what size do they prefer like a king bed or a queen or king. You it, it was right. a it was a California king. Tempurpedic. Oh nice. Yeah. It was it was a really nice uh worm bed. But anyways, I'd just get off the bus and go and catch fish out of the pond and I mean we had anything from largemouth and smallmouth to crappie and panfish and perch and we had catfish and a little bit of everything in there so I never never really got bored of fish in the pond I still fished it to this day we were all four of us were out there the other day trying to mm-hmm. trying to catch some fish out of there we'll do stupid little tournaments and stuff but that's probably where fishing... We used to do that all the time, have tournaments oh, yeah. out on the pond. That, that was, was fun. Blast. Get all the cousins and whatnot together and make a little competition well, out of it. For a little house pond, this thing has some monsters. There's some hogs. I think I think the longest bass we had recorded was over 23 inches, uh, largemouth. We've probably got some catfish that are almost pushing three feet. Um, there's some bluegill in there that... It'd probably fill a frying pan. Yeah, mm-hmm. probably will. Yeah, fill a frying pan, and there, there's some real big fish in there. I, I like fishing it. You never know what you're gonna get, and I, I think I've caught every fish out of there, but I guarantee I'm not even close. Mm-hmm. But, um, as far as what I do now, I think it all just kind of chain reacted from, from when I was little. I mean, my dad would have me out in the pond, and that was really all I could fish i didn't have a license or anything so if i wanted to trout fish or go fish a lake or whatever it was i'd go out with my dad and he'd take me to edinburgh and we'd catch bullhead uh off of the dock they had there and my grandpa had a boat so he'd take me out on there and after i kind of got older and was able to purchase my own stuff and go to where i wanted i started traveling the state and basically now the country i fished out west all the way to florida and up into canada i fish all over so it kind of chain reacted and i hope that chain reaction continues so would you say that having like access right in your backyard to fishing is probably what started this whole thing for you is like you could literally every day 
and fish every right day. Yeah, I, and I went and fished, but just our location where the house is. Oh, the, we're, we're in walking distance where you yeah. had access to. I uh, I could fish probably one of the the greatest state runs, uh, Pennsylvania state runs of steelhead. And some people even say it's one of the better runs of steelhead in, that we get in the country. They say it's um, like number two. Yeah, I mean, there's some for, river up in Alaska, but I mean, for, kind of tough to compete with the Alaskan salmon run. Yeah. yeah, for for numbers of fish, I mean, we got them. We don't always have size. I mean, I've caught some brutes over the years, but for the number of fish that we get cruising through those streams, and I could walk before I could have a car or anything. I used to ride my bike down or walk down to the creek and catch steelhead, and it was it was awesome. But now being able to travel everywhere it's keeps keeps going could could we hear some fishing stories from you bouncing around the country like give us yeah so um, i spent like some time down in florida saltwater fishing and yeah i've been to, fishing out in kansas yeah i've been to florida probably uh i don't know six or seven times i've probably been to florida and uh I, every time i go i love it uh We'll start. We'll start with the saltwater. I fished. I think Florida, and we're, we went on a family vacation. Was it South Carolina? Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach. Yeah. Is that South Carolina? Yes, it is. Yeah. Don't ask Tom. He's only for shapes. Yeah. Geography. Geology. <laughs> um. But so we'll we'll start we'll start there. Uh, that was probably I think that was my first taste of saltwater fishing. Was I was maybe it tastes like salt. It it was pretty salty. Yeah. Um, I think before that, actually, it was still in South Carolina. But it was actually like Charleston. We did that trip um, catching dogfish. And, yeah, that was uh, we. Yeah, we did a little that like was in, Charleston, in, South Carolina. It was still yeah, South Carolina. Charleston. We did a little environmental tour. Um, this guy took us out for it was like an all day trip, like a fourteen hour trip, and we went and fished open water, uh, like surf fishing. And he took us out on a boat. We went to this little stream. We caught a lot of dogfish. Nick actually. Caught a stingray on the yeah, trip. Captain and wasn't happy about that. No, he. Uh, <laughs> you could tell that he didn't like touching stingrays. Um, but we got some dogfish and some spotted sea trout. And there was some whiting. Whiting, yeah. There's some pretty cool stuff. But I was pretty young. I still obviously really enjoyed it. But that memory's not super super locked in. Uh, I think some of my memories were more jogged by pictures that I saw from the trip. But as I got a little bit older that South Carolina trip that we went in uh, Myrtle Beach, we uh, we went out deep sea fishing, like way, way offshore. It took, I don't even know how many hours on the so boat. A couple, I think they said they were, what, 60 miles offshore or something? It was, yeah. like, insane. We were, we were, we were out there. Uh, you, you didn't see a boat or land. It was, you were there and there was water. That's it. But we uh, started off trolling, and probably... I think we had two lines out. wasn't 10 minutes in after we got our program set up, and there was a big bill right behind the boat, and it was a blue marlin that just was smacking around. So he ended up taking, and that locked me in with a 450-pound blue marlin for better part of, that was probably over an hour. They tied me into a chair, and 
threw the boat in reverse and I was getting splashed by the salt. It was salty again there, Frank. And <laughs> the salt doesn't dissipate as you get farther out. No, no. Huh. It's uh, pretty consistent actually. You think with all the sea salt chips and stuff they'd start to run low on salt out there. I'm, you would think so. There's think a lot of them chips out there. I, I like the salt and vinegar, but I'm not sure if that's mine salt or sea yeah, salt. So, some of them are a sea salt and vinegar. Okay. Ma- mainly on a uh, a kettle cooked chip okay. you'll see. All right, yeah. But anyways, so that that was Unlike anything, still to this day, that was probably one of the coolest fish I've ever hooked into. Just seeing the sheer size from fish in freshwater, the biggest fish I think I ever held was probably no more than 15 pounds, mm-hmm. going to 450. That's just Bit of a change. insane. The power behind them is mm. unmatchable. Yeah, and so I remember my mom actually videotaped the whole thing, um, but basically the to consider it a catch when you're out there deep sea fishing for something of that size, you're not bringing that on the boat with everybody. Well, what we were, what we were trying to do is technically I still to this day, I, I'm mostly catch and release, but we were trying to still revive this fish and we didn't want to kill it. And we could have, if we wanted to, uh, taken it on board and gaffed it and brought it in through, they had a back door and ate it. But sport fishing like that mostly for billfish and everything people like to see the catch and release and Mm -hmm. that's i mean that's a pretty sizable marlin too i mean yeah as and as as nick was saying they got a it's called a sea witch and i actually still have the sea witch um but it's probably i don't know 10 or 15 foot from your leader and you grab the sea witch and the marlin's swimming right beside the boat with you i mean you can reach down and touch it pretty much and you just grab the sea witch and when it goes to take off on you you pull the sea witch and it snaps your line and that's the end of that swims off to be caught another day yeah and that uh being that it's in the salt water those leaders rot pretty quick oh yeah they 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 rot right out and that fish doesn't even yeah doesn't even skip a beat and after that um, so that's what they consider like you landed the fish when you, you landed the fish if yeah you can get if you, if you can grab witch. your sea witch yep. yeah so he's got that on display and actually you got we, a plaque we, yeah um, we got i actually got two south, plaques south carolina um, like game commission down there they yeah. sent out plaques for sailfish caught yeah and i actually i got two plaques i caught that blue marlin and i caught a black marlin too white. White, or white yeah. marlin i'm sorry so yeah blacks black there. blacks can get pretty big yeah but i caught a white marlin and nick actually uh he caught a white marlin too, but it was kind of a funny story. Uh, when I reeled in the blue marlin, he saw I got strapped into a chair and uh, had had the harness on and everything and was just kind of basically wenching this fish in as they chased it down in reverse. And Nick actually, his his arm was hurting pretty bad. Well, yeah, I had, that was back when I was wrestling. Uh, I used to tra- wrestle on a travel team and some at some point picked up MRSA, which is basically an infection that attacks like flesh so it was like inside my but, forearm yeah he had it. like eating my muscle tissue away as we were out on the boat it was pretty rough yeah you still have like scarring from that your muscle has like a little dip in it now because uh, it, it's for the most well, part back but if you like compare it side to side it's you can tell that there's a difference so yeah we were actually like a little scared on this vacation you know because nick's arm nick's was dying yeah it was hurting pretty bad and anyways but i mean nick so, nick ain't and any little girl so he, i mean i was draining it on the boat like yeah it, it was, was it was bad like we were like draining it and then taping it back up and yeah continuing time to reel another fish it was rough and nick nick <laughs> was like i'm out in the middle of the ocean and i'm gonna i'm gonna catch one of these fish so we saw the white marlin start tailing up and 
Nick was like, all right, my turn. Everyone sit, back up. Well, this one's right mine. The, Nick, sat, Nick right in sat in the chair, in the chair like, and he was sitting in the chair like, all right, it's my turn. Someone hand dude, me the rod. Yep. And the dude was like, nope, get up. He's like, you're and big he, enough. You're going to fight yep, this right off the back of the I, I was probably <laughs> 80 pounds at best when we were on this. And you were probably, I don't know, 175 or so. So he was about the same size as this white marlin he was reeling and eh, they were probably 80 pound white marlins but i i honestly have no idea i, I think they were 80 pounds is what the guy said um i guess i mean they're but they're an aggressively they, fighting fish they rip so they, super athletic they, they jump, jump out of the water they dive down really deep but, but i assumed that you know i was getting strapped in but he's like oh no and slapped a tennis ball through a tennis the ball right, chance. <laughs> tennis ball right on the butt of the rail and nick threw that thing in his hip and that reel started screaming. I'm but, sure you had quite the bruise the next day. It, well, that and just my arm was on fire because, like, I was like, like I said, there was literally like an infection, like eating the infection the muscle was tissue. eating his muscle away and turning it to basically a mucus and pus. It, yeah, I mean, it was and bad. it was just coming out, and he was right there fighting fish. And after that one, he kind of said that he was he was good. He had his fun. I was like, I got my um, plaque, you know. Yep. Well, it got mailed later, but I knew yeah. I was getting the plaque. I got my flag. They raised the flag um, up in the air, and Nick said, all right, I'll uh, I'll watch from now on. And then it was Tommy's turn. Well, they do this other cute little well, thing. Well, that's the end of the trip. We're all right, yeah, yeah. Run through the trip. Yeah. Take it easy, Tom. So uh, I caught my two fish. Nick caught his fish. And next pull went off, and... They they were like, oh man, like this isn't a bill, and it ended up being a yellowfin tuna, and Tommy got chaired up for that one because that's how everybody got chaired for everything except my I no I I tennis balled my white oh did you yep all right yep uh, I mean the guy was standing there holding the rod with me but I was <laughs> that was it one counts. thing I was surprised like to I had no experience on like a deep sea fishing trip that rod was not strapped to me. Nope. It was literally just giving you. You better a hold on, or like, it's going to cost you a lot go. of money. Well, yeah. that, that's why we paid a couple like thousand dollars for <laughs> uh, for that trip. Yeah. <laughs> if we dropped it, but yeah, Tommy, he caught a. And I'll I'll tell you, I th- thanks again for that yellow tuna because that was probably the best tasting fish I've ever eaten. Was she was smack. Was I I can't good. eat I can't eat tuna out of a can. It makes me gag, and I don't know why, but. Those fresh tuna steaks were real good. My dad ended up catching another yellowfin. I I caught a dolphin that trip. I Mahi, also Mahi. Del- yeah, also a delicious fish. Not yeah. not one of the porpoises. Yeah, not not a not a bottlenose. Um, I also I hooked into a shark for a little bit, but we weren't using steel leaders, so it it snapped off. But that was that was probably my first big deep sea fishing trip. What which breakdown, you know. That trip was over. Their tradition um, for your first sailfish that they go through off the dock when you get back. Luke's signaling he doesn't remember, so I will go through what that is. He was pretty, like you said, he was pretty young. Does that have to jump in the water? No, you get pushed in the water mm. off the docks. Very nice. That was basically like the captain. You Were know, you he, expecting it, or did you just no, get ship rolled? It was right basically the... like, hey, so we do this thing. We're like we're like on the dock. We've off gotten off the boat, and the captain comes up, you know, thanking you for coming out and everything. And he's like, you know, we do this thing. First uh, sailfish. Your first sailfish. We push you in the water, and it's like what? Or and then yeah, billfish. Then you're in. But, or billfish, sorry. Yeah. And uh, so like before you even had good time thing to you think, didn't have a phone. Yeah, didn't have yeah. like there was no warning. Didn't ask if you could swim. Nothing. Mm. So then, so you get pushed off the dock. There's not like ladders or anything to get back up in. Um, so you know, just out of instinct, I reached up. Uh, to get pulled out of the water and I 
just threw my hand up that was still infected and it like my arm couldn't straighten at this point because of how like much the infection so was affecting up. that joint. It was like locked and I reached out to grab it and he like forced he it, ripped you forced up. it straight and it like almost brought me to tears. It was horrible. So that was, and to mind you, uh, <laughs> the water that we were swimming in, uh, I'm not really sure what they were, but as he was filleting fish and throwing the carcasses in, those carcasses got eaten up and disappeared in about two seconds after he threw them in. So there was there was some big fish swimming around down there. So with you the, got pushed in the, before they were the, swimming around. Yeah. Well, there's other boats all over the place. Yeah. Their so, stuff. I mean, you guys were the chum. Yeah. There, yeah. There's dolphins and pelicans and it was it was a pretty totally cool experience. Worth it, though. But I think that was a I think the boat was called the Teaser Two. I think was the boat that we went on and. That's true. Yeah. I don't know if they're still in you business. You remember the name or, of the boat, but well, you don't the, remember getting tackled yeah. into the water. I tried Teaser to block two. that out. <laughs> Teaser two was not. Teaser, Teaser two was two amberjack. Was, yeah, that's the one we cut all the amberjacks on. And Tommy Cat was the last one we did. That was for. I don't remember what. Fish Tommy Cat was the name of the boat. Or are you talking about Tom? No, no Tommy was Cat was, was Tommy oh. Cat. That was that big diesel boat we did down in Florida last. That could time. get confusing. We, that was the one we took all of our fish to the Contra Public. We had to stay in on the oh, reef. Oh yeah, yeah. That yeah. was that was a pretty cool little trip we did there too. Yeah, we happened to. Well, that's how we knew that it was the right boat. When your boat is called Tommy Cat and you're fishing with Tommy Cat. Yeah, you know, you're going to yeah, catch just, fish. Yeah, that's, but, we were fishing off the reef, and there was a yeah. restaurant up there that you could bring all the fish you caught in, and then they cook all of it for you for like eight bucks. Yeah, like eight that's bucks a deal. Plate. Oh, it was insane. He we came out. Him, like, he came out with like it. two platters. And we were like, holy cow, like that was, that's a lot of food. And then they came out with two more and a fifth one. So we had a couple tables sitting around us that were getting ready to Can order. You want to get down like, on this? Yeah, pretty much. We said, <laughs> like if, a whole platter. If, yeah, we're like, if you don't want to order and you like fish, help yourself. Because if you're eating in a restaurant in Florida, you probably like fish. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, they did everything from frying it to blackening and. What's well, even, they, they asked you, how do you want it prepared? My dad's like, just. Make each platter a different way. Like, yeah. whatever the, you guys can chef do. Decide. Yeah, bake, fried, pan fried, you know, everything. Seared some of it. It was delicious. Make it into some po' boys. Felt but, like uh, bubble gump shrimp, you know, yeah. saute it. Puree it. it broil fish it. kebab. Fish <laughs> stew, fish gumbo. That, that's about all I can do with shrimp. So, but, <laughs> I've gone off on a bit of a tangent yeah. there on, on uh, ocean fishing, but I know we've done, like you said, you talked a lot about deep sea. But what about, I know you've done some shore fishing as well uh, when it uh, comes to ocean, which is I have, kind of a whole different ballgame. That, that is, I mean, you, not always, but a lot of the times, a lot of them fish that are out deep can come real close. The sharks, the a lot of the jacks, I mean, there's probably 20 or 30 different types of jacks in the jack family, but mm-hmm. um, they're in shore. I mean, there's some big fish, cobia even come in close. I think my favorite but, was pulling those little black tips up on the beach that we were swimming yep. in earlier that day. Yeah, and there's are, other people on the beach, you know, doing their night walks, and we're pulling black tips up off like right in front of the hotel, and they're like, <laughs> "Yeah, little, what?" It's a good way to clear the beach <laughs> out for tomorrow. Yeah, there yeah, was also exactly uh, there were bonnet heads that we were catching too. It's basically just a looks, looks like, like a, a little hammerhead, hammer head, but instead of instead of their front part being flat it's kind of kind of rounded like a off half moon almost yeah it's like a hatchet head yeah, yeah. but yeah, they they only get to i don't know maybe like three foots probably they're most they're people don't care it's get. a shark in the water that they're swimming yeah yeah <laughs> and the black but, tips those can get big yeah black tips i mean you can get black tips that are probably push 100 pounds i mean those are yeah. i mean pretty it's crazy fish incredible how hard I, those things i've fight. never i've never caught any that were 
over that 100-pound mark, but I'm, I could almost guarantee you they get way bigger. But, yeah, so, I mean, fishing from the surf uh, is what they call shore fishing. But first time I ever did it, I went down there with uh, my dad's sister and their family, and I didn't really, again, I was little, didn't really have any experience doing it, but my Uncle Kevin... He was, he's been down there a couple of times and he's actually got a brother that lives down in Florida, doesn't he? Yeah, Scott. Yeah, yeah Scott. He's and got a so, boat for tarpon and everything. Yeah, there. so, I mean, my Uncle Kevin, he's been to Florida countless times and so he... His dad lives there too. Yeah, so he knows the area pretty well and we were down there fish from the surf and just using, I think, shrimp and squid and we were catching little jacks and uh, whiting and a bunch of little stuff and that just really got me hooked because you were standing in the water and fish were swimming right around your feet like not up here in like fresh water you see a fish and they get scared of you but in the ocean you're just another thing they there's so much out there they're not really af- afraid of you because they don't really know what you are so they I mean they came right up to you you could catch one right in between your legs if you really wanted to I caught but, that little blind fish with a bucket myself. Yeah, that, uh, <laughs> that, that's illegal, Nick, noodling. Are you kidding me? I was helping it. It <laughs> yeah. ended up getting eaten by a pelican. Yeah, there was a little... Was it, was, full, it, was, it sounds it was, like you really helped it. It yeah. was bright orange and was swimming in circles, and one of its eyes was about the same size as its body, and I swollen shut. You know, they say there's plenty of fish in the sea, and I happened to find just that one. I put it in a bucket. I'm not sure. I was young. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I put it on the shore. So this thing was, like, dead already. Oh, pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. And I put it in a bucket for whatever reason. Probably to show everybody. Yeah he, yeah, he was trying to trying to revive it and there was make, it, pull make it not blind yeah, anymore. Yeah, there was this big heron that was, you know, frequenting our area. For it was fishing. a pelican. Was it a pelican? Yeah. I thought it had long legs. I don't think so. I'm pretty no, sure it was, it was a pelican. Heron. Oh, it was a heron? Definitely a heron. Oh. Well, he decided that it was uh, all a cart that day, and he stuck his head right in there and ate it. Well, we also didn't feed, but that heron got a lot of our fish, and by the end of nice, uh, uh, phrasing there, yeah, <laughs> by by the end of the day, um, that that heron couldn't fly anymore. It flapped its wings a couple <laughs> times and couldn't get off the ground, so it it walked down the beach that day. So he was how was it getting was all of your fish? Um, we had like, a bait it, bucket. We'd catch a whiting, throw it in the bait bucket, and then. They you know, you they would rip pile of they would rip the lid shirt. off and they'd do anything and or if you caught a fish that swallowed it or something and you went to throw it back and it didn't quite make it or it was swimming sideways it would throw go it in, in there the shark and grab bucket. it. Well, Scott yep. Scott's kid um, he's big into fishing um, off of kayaks for sharks and so we were keeping all the whiting and he was going to fish for sharks because he'll basically take one of those whiting and kayak way out past the uh, sandbar the sandbar cast it out and then paddle back and he'll, he's pulled up so like 14 foot hammerheads like or 12 foot maybe yeah um f- on shore like just from I bet that's out quite a, a fight when you got to paddle out to where your cast is and <laughs> yeah. then you got to fight it all the way back yeah it's insane basically yeah he just paddles out further than what the waves are going to bring it back in mm-hmm. yeah so. get out past the wave break and bring it back in but I mean, after that first trip, I actually just got back from Florida a couple months ago. Um, did a little bit of fishing down there, caught some whiting, but I I took a week long trip, probably I don't know seven months ago, 
down to Florida, and I took my buddy Levi, who's never been to the ocean before, and he would, he just wanted to see what it was about and catch a fish out of the ocean was his goal. So I I told him he's like, do you think like if we're down there like all week, like we'll be able to at least land something? And I was like, yeah, probably not. It, <laughs> if, if if we're down there for about five minutes, I bet you you can land something. And but anyways, we caught same thing. We caught whiting. We even caught some red drum. Um, I'd love to go catch them. They're sweet. They're, fish. they're pretty cool. Um, we caught some stingray, some black tip sharks. Um, I think they were called croakers. We caught a couple of them. They just what do they like call a, them that? Uh, they <laughs> the noise they make. They sound like kind of like a frog when you bring them out of the water. That's pretty wild. It is pretty cool. They kind of look like a frog too. It looks like if you were to run a toad over with your car. That's kind of what this fish looks like with a tail. So, but anyways. And we also went out on a little charter boat, and we caught some lane snapper, uh, some gag grouper, um, a couple other types of grouper. We caught some lizard fish that were just junk fish. You threw them back, but they were just still pretty cool looking, had some gnarly teeth on them. But just getting somebody else to experience what I love so yeah, much. Yeah, I'm sure Levi seeing, had a blast Oh, there. he he still talks about it, and... I mean, he he wants to go back, obviously, and yeah. we'll we'll make it back again. Um, but I just my dream still is to live on the water someday down or salt water actually, and just be able to fish that every day. I mean, I've fished fresh water every day for fifteen years, and I've probably only fished the salt water maybe a couple fif- dozen fifteen times. like times. Yeah, all combined, you know, um, like taking different week long trips or whatnot but um i just for some reason have that overwhelming feeling to get out on the ocean but it'll yeah. happen someday i feel that but before we go anywhere else um i think we're gonna just go a little bit of smoke break do a little smoke break and we'll give it to you since it's your hot seat we'll let you All take right, it over you're gonna let me do the smoke break yeah you got something for us uh, it's not really uh, not really smoking, but uh, it's the pan it's gets still, pretty smoky. It does get pretty smoky, and I'll tell you, you're not gonna want to breathe this smoke in. Um, as I said, fish in fresh water, one of my favorites, and my grandpa's main thing that he got me hooked on is walleye fish in Lake Erie. And you're not gonna find a better place for it. Uh, no, you will not. You can pretty much throw a house key with a hook on it, and you're gonna catch a walleye. They're so many of them and they're real aggressive but besides being fun to catch i'll tell you they're good eating Delicious. and a lot of people deep fry them we deep fry them too but if you're looking for something a little different it's called blackening and uh what you're going to want to do for blackening is you're going to cut them up just like you would for uh for filleting them uh for deep frying and you're going to get a bowl of butter and you're going to get a cast iron pan and that's important you do it doesn't yeah, have to be cast iron. cast iron a bowl of butter your fish and you're going to want some cajun and my favorite cajun seasoning to use is called straight out of pontchartrain and it's a hunt chef cajun and they actually call it their blackening seasoning 2.0 and i picked it up at the great american outdoor show in harrisburg but you can pick it up online at huntchef.com and uh anyways what you're going to want to do with it is take your walleye and lay it in the butter to get it completely coated and you're going to take the cajun and put a thin layer of it on one side of it like set it out on a paper plate or something and just coat one side of the 
um, buttered up walleye with Cajun. Is this a pretty healthy portion of Cajun? You know, like, um, it's not. You, you don't like want to. You don't want to put too much, but you do want enough to cover, cover that side. Okay. Yeah. Um, and what you're gonna want to do? Make sure your pan's pretty hot. I mean, you don't want it to obviously burn it, but you are. It is blackening because it does get a little bit charred. But you obviously don't want to put it on there, burn the outside, do a crisp, and have the middle raw. So it's you're gonna have to play around with with the heat until you get it right. But what you're gonna do is take the Cajun side and actually put the Cajun side down on the pan. Now it's gonna smoke quite a bit, and that smoke you're not gonna want to breathe in because it's it's like pepper spray, and it'll leave a tickle in your throat for about a week. So be careful not to breathe that in. And once it's on the pan, you're gonna take the same Cajun and cover the upside now of it. Once it's cooked halfway through, you're going to flip it over so that side's down, and when she's done, you're going to take it off and eat it up, and boy, I'll tell you, they're good. Uh, it's not long, like less than 30 seconds per oh, side. Oh, they're, they're pretty, yeah, it's it's pretty quick cooking, but um, like I said, I use that uh, Hunt Chef, but if you don't like a real spicy Cajun, you can you can use whatever you want on it, just your favorite Cajun to your liking, and they, they turn out good. I love it. And then you know, we like to squeeze just a little bit of lemon. Yeah, on yeah it that, once it's that done. does make it pretty good there. Some people dip them in ketchup. I was never really a, a big fan of that, but if you're a ketchup guy, go for it. All the power to you. Thanks for that smoke break breakdown, Luke. Yeah, no problem. So, you know, we were talking, you know, you did your shore fishing on the, uh, like, I guess you did your shore fishing with salt water, you did your offshore fishing. Um, and you talked obviously about your fly fishing up here, but maybe I know you've taken some trips or taken, sorry, some trips. <laughs> you're you're a genius. Nick. Inland, Tooken. if you will, uh, in like South Dakota or Kansas or something. Yeah, uh, I have I've done quite a few uh, inland trips. Mainly, the only fish that I've even out west or down south, really the only inland trips that I've done, I was uh, catfishing, and uh, catfish fishing. Cat, cat fishing? I think it's catfish fishing. Catfish fishing? That's the appropriate way to say it. Okay, so I was catfish fishing, um, and I went out to Kansas, actually, and Nick, Tom, and White were actually, or no. No, I wasn't you, on you that trip. You weren't there, but uh, Nick and Tom, my dad, my grandpa, uh, were actually in Kansas at the same time, and they were doing a turkey hunt, and I figured, well, I mean, the whole family's going down there. I, I might as well be with them, so I took my rod and went and mean nothing like catching some Kansas catfish and went out to some some lakes that I found I've never been to Kansas didn't know the layout I didn't do any research on the area had no intel whatsoever uh where to go what to use how to catch them so it was kind of feel just, like catfish are pretty universal around the country for the the rig you catch them on basically for the most it's part. a it's big hook down on the bottom and Make sure whatever you're using stinks. Just absolutely and and they're gonna they're gonna bite. So that's that's what I did. I I went to this bait store and they had uh, heron that was in a glass mason jar that looked like it was in it was a homemade bait. Was yeah it? yeah homemade bait. It was in a glass mason jar and it had some yellow liquid. You could they were sealed mason jars with wax on them and you could still you could smell these things and that's how you know it's good well i'm pretty how, sure they gave how, you a pair I, of rubber gloves that, that's what i was saying how i knew it was good is that each one was sold with a pair of rubber gloves so that's that's how i knew that this bait was going to stink and it was going to catch fish but 
we went out to uh, me and my dad. He actually took a took a day off of turkey hunting and came to the stream with me, and it was the muddiest, grossest looking water I've ever seen. Like when you when you get a big rainfall or something and you see chocolate milk in the rivers, this was twice as bad. You you could stick your hand right under the surface of the water and you couldn't see your hand. It was just dark, and I was like, there is no visibility in here so we're gonna have to have Good something thing that stinks. It stinks yeah because that's all they're gonna be able to use for for their sense but we cast it out there and uh we just had two poles sitting out and we weren't really i didn't have my pole and he had his we just kind of cast them out and they were just sitting in front of us and pole closest to my dad started going off and he wanted me to grab it and i was like no nah, nah, that's your pole grab it so he picked it up and it ended up being a big old sheep head so I don't, nice. I've never caught a sheephead out of a river, but it was still kind of cool. That was another first, first time doing something, but we fished that spot for a little while and figured that it was just, it was too dark and just wasn't the right spot. So I did the old Google maps trick and found a big inland lake that wasn't too far. So we took our stinky heron and went to the lake and probably not even two minutes in started catching cats and right off the bat they were i don't know maybe 18 inches kind of kind of small fish but um we were just catching and releasing throwing them back like i said before that's my main thing is catch and release but started hammering them off the dock and then they started getting a little bit bigger and we just kind of left it off from there we hit a couple other lakes but it was mainly just just hit or miss on the lakes we went to and I mean, it wasn't a too too eventful trip for fishing, but it was still still cool to catch catch some catfish out of state and especially Kansas that far where I had no background at all. So yeah, it's always fun. Like we've talked, you know, the different places we go on DIY hunts on public land. It's always fun to just go do something new, see something new, and it's oh, yeah, always a new challenge when you're in a new place. You gotta you gotta use your knowledge that you gained other places and exactly. use it to this new layout but i mean sometimes like that I've, I've never seen some stuff like that so it's you're just kind of picking and pulling from your arsenal and sooner or later you'll get something that works mm-hmm. so what would you say is your uh like highlight or like your best fishing accomplishment or memory to date when it comes to like your like freshwater saltwater all of it what's at the top of the chart we'll go we'll go uh Freshwater. Um, my biggest freshwater fish is... Uh, is this the one you would say is like your most successful or the most proud of? Regardless of size, is it like, I guess, the one that you're the most proud of? Um, I would say, yeah. I mean, I, I really do enjoy looking at pictures of that fish and just feeling back, like going back on memories and remembering holding that fish and getting the healthy release on it. Um, so I'd, I'd say, yeah, but I mean, it wasn't my most worked for fish. I didn't, it wasn't. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll tell my most worked for fish after this, but, um, it was, you guys have seen it a couple of times and heard us talk about it. It was that 52 inch musky. I mean, a lot of people fish years for it and don't ever get one over 50. And I mean, there's, there's guides out there that crush them like that almost weekly. But for me, I only fish for musky for two years and two years and in you're on your own you, yeah, you don't I was, have a guide i didn't anything. have a guide no i, I didn't have yeah any i've been intel. musky fishing a lot longer than you have and i still haven't caught a 50 yeah so i mean it was it was quite the quite the feat and uh 
I still love looking back at pictures of holding that thing. And, and where exactly, exactly did you catch this fish? Lat long, um, please. <laughs> right out of the water. Nick. Oh, perfect. Was, that's yep. And uh, right, I caught it right on the end of my rod. It was perfect. Yeah. So, so anybody that's interested, you know, uh, yep, make just sure go, you're in the water. Go to the water and. You, you're going to catch it right on the end of your rod, so just make sure you're keeping an eye on that because that's where it's going to be. That's where the action's at. Yep. But, uh, no, I, I will tell you, I was uh, central PA. That's so. fair. So, um, but my most work for fish. So, if I had to guess, I'd say I've caught upwards of 500 walleye in my life. Like, me personally reeling in grabbing holding i've probably caught over 500 walleye and i've only been doing it i mean like i said i've done it since i was little but it wasn't like a everyday thing i got to go out on a couple trips with my grandpa over the years but recently i've been taking my boat out a lot and even fishing from shore and actually that's what probably my most work for was was my first shore walleye i've caught i've caught tons of walleye out in 70 foot of water 60 foot all the way into 20 foot of water jigging for him but until last year i'd never caught a walleye standing on shore so one of my buddies that i work with levi you've heard me mention him before um he's done it multiple times he catches limits from the shore and i was like levi like where do you go what do you do like you gotta let me in on That's some secret, of this my friend and exactly <laughs> but we worked out a little barter levi he grew up never had a boat never never could have the opportunity to fish out in open water so he learned the shore of lake erie which was basically his backyard and he knew it better than anybody he that's what he did when he was little and he's lived there for his whole life and he's 40 years old now and knows the shoreline of lake erie better than anybody and i mean tom's gone fishing with me before with levi and We've been out on a boat, but close to shore, and he even knows the layout of of the lake that's close to shore. Like, oh, yeah, I, I used to fish here all the time. Like, right out here should be about, I don't know, like 17 feet, and it should drop down to like 25 up here, and you drive up there, and there's a bull, and it drops right down to 25 right offshore. Like, it's he, he knows his stuff. So we made a barter where I'd teach him a little bit of boat fishing, and he'd teach me a little bit of shore fishing, so... We went out and we fished some some beaches and fished some like inlets and casted from shore, casted from shore, nothing, nothing, nothing. And we did crappy rigs with minnows and fished off bottom and we did uh, like Mr. Twisters and we casted out Rapalas like F-13s and uh, I even used some husky jerks if it was a little bit deeper water and nothing nothing he he caught a couple i mean it was it was slow for both of us but i think he caught probably two or three while i was standing next to him and i still still hadn't gotten mine and we went to uh went to this other spot um it was right in the water uh like i was saying before if you want to go there and catch one yourself just go down to the water and we we're casting these f13 rapalas and just real slow retrieve slow retrieve and levi hooked into one I was like, you kidding me? He's I've been doing this next to him and I'm I'm 0 for 4 right now against him. And he he's up back on the shore, you know, unhooking this thing, it got tangled up in the net. And 
I, I hooked into mine right as he's up shore, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of a quiet fisherman. I don't really hoot and holler when I hook into fish. I'm kind of stingy about it. So I don't want people You're not pulling a Jeremy Wade. No, there. no fish on fish <laughs> on. No, he, there's usually no one around when he's fishing to, to hear him. So I usually kind of keep quiet and try and, and it's, it was real dark out. Actually, that's probably a good tip to tell you. We were doing it probably 10, 11 o'clock at night, but, um, reeled this fish up and started walking it up up to the bank where levi was and he was like did you just catch that i was like yeah he's like you didn't say anything i was like i know like i i just i don't really know i don't want everybody else over here so uh we unhooked those i think we ended up catching three or four that night so that was my first one and uh i caught two that night and or no i only caught one and i think levi caught two that night and after that it just kind of skyrocketed from there almost every time after that we went shore fishing i ended up catching them so that was probably my most worked for fish that i had my sights set on that i wanted to catch that i was targeting that i never never got until till that trip saltwater i would say would probably be probably be that blue marlin i mean that was my first big saltwater fish and my biggest to date and the fish that a lot of people won't ever get to experience or they just get to dream about. And I got to do that when I was little. I mean, I would love to do it now and maybe even grab its bill or something and put my hands on the fish. Jump in the water with it. <laughs> that is my biggest goal. I want oh, to catch a Goliath what a, grouper. What a segue. Yep. I want to, uh, I want to go swimming with a Goliath grouper I just caught and I want to push its head back down and maybe get a little tail slap in the face or something. That'd, that'd be probably... My biggest bucket list fish is reeling up a Goliath grouper freehand and clipping the hook or unhooking it and pushing it back down. Jumping in with it. Jumping in with it with a fish that could inhale me if it wanted to. Yeah. I know another one of your bucket list fish because you and I share the same one, the fly rod tarpon. Yes. Yes. That would... That would be insane. That to, sounds wild. To catch a tarpon yeah. on a fly It's rod. a lot of fun. You guys should really try it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because okay. you've done it. You're an idiot. Um, I'm just kidding, Tom. That would be absolutely insane. When when I go to do it, it's it's going to be standing next to Frank. I'll tell you, it's it's going to be awesome. I mean, we got to save up some money. I think there's a tarpon, tarpon Classic or something in Florida. I think it's like a $10,000 buy-in or something. I think me and Frank are thinking about entering it next year. So actually, we, this starts our GoFundMe yep. account right now. <laughs> right now, uh, we need $20,000. to the Tarpon Classic. $20,000 uh, for me and Frank to go out. I think, I want to say the prize is uh, over a million dollars. for uh, Biggest donation, we split the pot with you. It's going to be great. Uh, 80-20. <laughs> yeah, that's the split. Well, yeah, we weren't going to talk about the split exactly. Yeah, we, yeah we're, we're going to split it. It does, We won't say the, the numbers. but So, yeah, um, generosity is key here. Um, it's for a good cause. <laughs> uh, we, know, we know money's tight right now. Nobody's working right now, but we could, we could really use it. It's going for a good cause. It is. Very so, fun uh, cause. Yeah, yeah, very fun for us. Um, not not for you. Who's well, you guys anything, can make a video. We'll make a video that you guys can, can watch. And it's like we just shoot it in POV, and that's yep. like they're right there with you. Yep, and we can even do a live feed on uh, YouTube where you can donate again on the live feed. Um, <laughs> of course. Yeah, for bait for cost bait, money. bait and everything, yeah. So we, you know. In a boat. Doesn't pay for it. Yeah, that, that would also. <laughs> I've seen people do it on a kayak. Yeah, yeah well, me and Frank, we're be... just going to do it from shore. We think we got you a pretty good, small. pretty good chance there. But. 
you uh, let me know how that goes. Yep. I'll get the whole GoFundMe going. Uh, I, I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of big supporters for this. A lot um, of them out there. We could even you know run like a bronze, silver, gold kind of plat. Okay, yeah. thing where we put it on the side split. of the boat yeah you know like if you biggest if you pledge over 500 dollars, the... maybe we'll get you a little brass plaque yeah. you know maybe a thousand silver get silver and if you <laughs> if you go two grand we'll get you on that gold plaque yeah maybe even put your picture on the boat we'll work something out i'll think about it maybe just maybe uh, even give you a shout out on the podcast how cool would that be that's platinum that that's, oh yeah, yeah that's the platinum <laughs> don't be trying to just give stuff away yeah that's now, five Tom. grand or more you get a shout out I'll tell you, this podcast is several people's favorite podcast out there. Yeah, so there's several, for sure. <laughs> this is their favorite podcast. I mean, podcast. I could tell you offhand at least four right now that are, it's their favorite podcast. It's getting wild. I'm looking at them. Yeah. <laughs> that, that also doesn't have to be mentioned, but yeah. that's all right. Anyway, we'll we'll get there someday. You know, we're going we're gonna to listen to this podcast when me and Frank are out there tarping fishing and... It'll be on repeat. The it's going to chuckle the, the entire time, and it's just yeah, exactly. But also another thing that's coming up that I'm kind of kind of debating on how I feel about it. Um, it's uh, bow fishing. That oh, season yeah. is rapidly approaching. In previous years, Tom uh, and and Nick, they were mainly Tom's dogs, but he had some coon hounds. And we used to trap raccoons a lot, and we used to train them. So we'd trap them to train the dogs. Oh, I thought you were just and, talking about training raccoons. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, <laughs> we did, uh, we're big big into raccoon training. It's ra- raccoon um, circus. We traveled yep. the country. Uh, check us out. Award winners. Yep. Um, but anyways, we used to uh, use the carp, so we'd go bow fishing for them, and it was a lot of fun. It was real challenging, and big carp, I mean, they you had a reel on your uh, on your bow, so it was kind of like reeling them in on a fishing pole, but um, you'd shoot them, and so it was kind of kind of difficult. But anyways, I had a blast doing it, and I even modified my boat to have a big big shooting deck on the front of it, so we go in real shallow water. We had lights, and could get two two three guys up on the on the platform, and each had a bow and shoot some carp. But now we're not really as as big into training, so. We don't really have the use for the carp anymore, so it's kind of, I, I think I'm going to miss it a little bit, but I know some people, you still can use the carp as fertilizer or other things, but. You're telling I, me they're not good to eat? No. Uh, my Listen my smoke old, break that yeah. I had uh, where I said cook them on a piece of pine and throw out the, the carp and eat the piece of pine. Is, still holds true. Still holds true, yeah. Carp are, carp are no good. Can I say so, one thing real quick? Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, we got a, just since because we're talking about bow fishing for carp, mm. a couple of weeks ago, we got a question submitted by our cousin Tristan mm. asking what the biggest carp I ever shot with a bow was. And I've only gone out with Luke. So I'm going to go ahead, Tristan, and answer your question right now. I've only gone out a couple times with Luke. And there was one day where I was just on fire. I couldn't miss. I think I went like three for four on shots or something. It was. That's seventy five percent. Yeah, that's yeah. uh not super stellar. That's C average, Tom. Um, when you're talking Tristan baseball, Tristan set your goals higher for seventy five percent. Yes, if you're <laughs> if you're batting a seven fifty, that's a heck of a batting. Like average. previous to that day, I was like zero for ten. So yeah, like that's true. Like three a bit for of a four bump this up. day. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm on. It. But uh, the biggest one I ever got, Tristan, was. I mean, it wasn't huge. It was probably it was under thirty inches. Probably it was, it was probably seven eight pounds. Yeah, seven or eight pounds, but. Um, I mean, we've seen some. My my biggest one's probably monsters. 
probably over 30 pounds. I was going to say, I've killed 25, 30 pounders. Yeah, I've, that one, I'll, I'll tell you right now, on my boat, the biggest one I ever pulled on was by Dan Kowalski. And he's probably one of the best bow fishermen I know. He's, he don't miss. And yeah, he's extremely talented. Yeah, mm-hmm. every, every shot, a lot of times we'd, we'd each get up and if there's a big fish, do like a three, two, one go on it. And 100% of the time, Dan's arrow was in there and 50% of the time my arrow was also in the fish. I don't mm. know if he was shooting before me. I think that's what happened. That's Why probably it. Squirm. Yeah. But. So, but anyways, he's, he's real good and he's pulled, I, we didn't weigh it, but, uh, we'll actually, we'll post a picture on our, on our Instagram of this carp and it's just, it's massive. I, I didn't even know that they got that big, but yeah. So I'm kind of split right now on, well, I mean, there's other uses. Like, yeah, I'm sure we'll find a use for fertilizer. Yeah, but I, I just, I don't want to go out there and just yeah, you don't shoot, waste shoot a to, bucket yeah. full of them and get have, a, have you no have remorse. Have a use for them. Yeah, you know. But we could actually, we could use them for fertilizer for food plots and stuff. Yep, we're That's doing food plots. Way, grind really them nice up. Way to tie the two in. Yep, you can uh, buy a buy a blender or something at a yard sale for a couple bucks. And mom's got one in the kitchen. Yeah, sure uh, she'd yeah love her that, ninja. Yeah, we'll use mom's ninja. She'll she'll love that. I do. We're actually we're getting into the tree planting business, so we yep. always need fertilizer for that. Not a bad idea either. And it's a good natural fertilizer, no and harsh actually chemicals you, or nothing. You picked up uh, trapping again pretty heavy. I mean, you never really, really stopped, but I know there was a, a break for a little bit where you weren't as heavy into it, but as season opened back up and winded back down, but you you recently got all your stuff back together and been hitting it hard, so we might be able to do some homemade baits and maybe even open up a bait line for you guys to... To try there you go. Some now carp, you're thinking. Carp bait. We've actually talked about that on a trip up to Climber. I got some casters drying. I'm going to make my own homemade sauce. He's just working on a name. Can't think yeah. of the so name. So if you guys have a good idea for a beaver bait name, go ahead, DM us, or leave a comment on the podcast. Slide into our DMs. Yep. And uh, Why can't you just... I, I like that. Why can't you call it beaver bait? That's probably already a thing. Beaver. It's got to be white cat original. White cat beaver bait. Wow! Now you're on well, this. How about right, I guess you we don't submit need any that info. into the DMs? <laughs> All right, I'm gonna here, one one second here. Yeah. I'm just gonna. You don't have to do it right now. I'm just gonna. No, so he's doing do this now. right now. White cat, beaver. Okay. Done. So hopefully white cat gets back to me and. Yeah, they're pretty busy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're loaded with uh, questions uh, and uh, DMs. So I'm gonna segue real hard right here. Okay. Um, and you know, I wrote a, a segue once. My yep, professor cool. at awesome. uh, Edinburgh has segue. We'll talk about it. Sometime. Wrote it in school. So hey, this is his hot seat. Yeah, if he and this wants is a to question. Segue story. Is it a question segues. about a segue? No, it is a question that pertains to fishing and mm. current events, and I wanted to run it by we'll get Luke. Back could to you, the segue. Could you do it on a segue? No, because I can't write a segue. So Anyone obviously, anybody how. in Pennsylvania that has you know that likes to fish has recently seen the surprise opening of trout season this year, and yep. I just want to get your opinion, positive or negative, on the whole situation, um, and maybe just a little bit about your understanding of why it happened. As as a whole, coming from my heart, actually, they they did the right thing. They, right now we're battling this COVID-19, and as much as we joke about it and everything, it is pretty serious, and they're trying to keep people away, keep people from spreading it around. So what their intent was with this surprise opening was when we have the trout day scheduled, I mean, you, you get pictures, and it's 
I mean, I've experienced it too. It is a holiday in Pennsylvania and a lot of other states too, but shoulder to shoulder, I mean, people close quarters and they really didn't want that. So what their intention was, was they announced it by surprise at seven in the morning when either some people weren't going to be on social media or check the news or whatever, already had plans for the day so that there wasn't the big rush of people to the streams. Well, for like a week or two before, they were talking about postponing it. They were yep. saying, you know, it's yep. supposed to start on this date. We might start it two weeks later. So and it was out of nowhere. 100% surprise. Trickery. Yep. Um, I think New York was... Uh, what a little tomfoolery. Yeah, New York did that before Pennsylvania did. And I think that's kind of where our fish commission got the idea. For me, um, I was a little bit bummed about it. As I mentioned Dan Kowalski earlier, for the past seven eight years me and dan have had a tradition since since we rode our bikes down we used to walk or ride our bikes down to the fishing hole at four in the morning just because it was tradition and we'd get our spot and camp out for four hours and then start fishing and then when we got our cars we'd drive and whatnot but we did it first day of trout every year i mean if something came up where someone said hey do you want to do this and it was six months in advance i'd say no like sorry i I already have plans. Like it was locked into my schedule. So um, when I got got the news, I I work second shift right now. So uh, I was sleeping uh, most of the morning. And when I got got the call and everything, I was kind of my buddy called me and asked if I went out and didn't even know it was open. So personally, I was a little bummed out and not real happy with how it happened. But in the overall scheme of things, it's they they did the right thing. Gotcha. That's kind of, I think, when people really look at the situation, I feel like a lot of people are going to agree with you. Everybody wants to be pissed off about it, but at the end of the day, it's probably a good idea because there was a lot of people, even when I noticed when uh, the PGC is pretty active on uh, Facebook, Mm -hmm. and when they had talked about extending the day, and they had put out several notices about, you know, fish in your home area, don't travel to fish, you know, fish with the people that you live with. Yep. There was a lot of people saying, screw that, I'm doing what I want, like just yep. openly doing it. And the PGC responded to it and did what they did. So I think yep. people kind of almost asked for it indirectly. Yeah, the, the negligence of people. I mean, the only the only way we're going to be able to get back to normally hunting and fishing and getting out with people and even, even shopping is a chore nowadays. I was just mm-hmm. at Lowe's the other day. I had to pick up contact tips and I had to really like it. It felt like I was being watched and it was just a uncomfortable process i mean there's windows in front of everybody and nobody touches you or looks at you or even gets close to you there's no interaction anymore and it's kind of i mean i I get why i mean i'm doing the same thing trying to do my part to contain this but it's just an uncomfortable atmosphere but as soon as people start going along with it and realizing that this is what we got to do to get through this then i mean it's the big dogs that are making the calls. We're we're not making the calls right now, so it don't matter if you like it or not. Yeah, you got to do they're it. They're gonna tell you what what you want, so or what what they want. So you just got to kind of listen to them, so we can get back to normal and get back to doing our our normal everyday things. And that's kind of how I'm looking at it. Just looking at the future. Yeah, no, I mean, I I never go out on the first day just because I, you know, mm-hmm. even before the whole COVID thing. I'm not big on the whole crowds and yep. especially fishing on top Com- of people. competition fishing. Yeah. Combat fishing like that isn't. Yeah. That's not really for me. Fun. So it didn't like break my heart that they sprung it on people, but I mm-hmm. see 
you know, a lot of people Where were people complaining. Where people can get mad and... Yeah, because yeah. like you said, for a lot of people, that day is a tradition and a oh. holiday. Oh, people carve out weekends to... It's like bear camp. People exactly. People go up for, yeah. for fishing and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it didn't really affect me too much, but I see where people come from but in I also, some aspects, but I also agree with you that they did the right thing. They were just trying to separate people. And those fish are still there. I mean, they're, they didn't get hit as hard, which I think ain't a bad, bad thing. Maybe some more will make it back out into the lake and be able to grow to adulthood. But, I mean, you didn't get out on first day. So what? Go out the next weekend or next day Yeah, it's day not like they close trout season yeah, early. That you're available, so just keep your distance, and there's they're, they're going to be spread out. We got some rain with this snow. It might make them act a little weird, which might give them a little more of a fighting chance to survive because that first day, they, they take a beating. They get slaughtered. There's, they, you pull out 75% of the fish that were stocked. I mean, mm-hmm. So another question I like to ask uh, when we do the host hot seats is – Basically, where do you get your inspiration from and, like, your continued love for fishing? Like, so, who inspires you the most to keep doing what you're doing? Biggest Bill thing. Bill Dance. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> um, biggest thing, um, like like all of us here, all, all comes back to the to your old man, my dad. Um, he kind of, he's the one who started it. I mean, him and my Uncle John uh, kind of put that pond in for us and... Uh, my grandpa also, my dad's dad, taking me out on his boat and fishing with him. And those are really the ones who got me started on fishing and really locked it in. But, I mean, within the past couple of years also, I mean, besides, I I fish more than more than they do now. I mean, my grandpa might be up there with me because he uh, he's retired now and fishes about every chance he can get, so... Still, still competing with him. I'm not quite as good as him yet, but I'm, I'm getting Another there. Another 40, 50 years, you ought I'm, to be I'm about approaching. There. Yeah, it's a c- constant battle, but I'm getting there. Um, but actually, uh, Josh Jorgensen, um, he has a the number one uh, fishing page, saltwater fishing page on YouTube, uh, Black Tip H Fishing, and I watch him all the time. That's kind of where my love for salt saltwater started. And he is just so knowledgeable, so engaging with his viewers and funny and skillful and just he's he's awesome and we'll put a link to his page, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean anybody that's into fishing probably already knows yeah, of him, you, but you've for, heard of Black for Tip somebody H that and, isn't or seen his videos. We'll slip that into the description had, as well. If you've seen the video, um it was a strong man, he had the world's strongest men, world champ arm wrestler and everything. They were battling Goliath Grouper. It was the number one streamed video on YouTube for two or three weeks in a row. Like you think of YouTube and what it has to offer, a fishing video was the number one trending video and that, i mean that's a huge accomplishment to josh and just yeah for sure even fishing in general i i love to see that but yeah usually the number one video is something really stupid yeah um but no that that was that was super cool um been trying to get in contact with him i kind of in a roundabout way have talked to him a few times um hopefully i know it's a big big leap in a stretch but that'd be kind of one of my dreams also with fishing is to be able to fish with josh either down in florida take a trip down to him or maybe have him come back up to his hometown home home stretch of the great lakes and uh fish Teach up here him with a thing me. or two yeah probably not but uh <laughs> i could definitely I might learn a thing i, or I two. could show him what i know and i mean i have the means up here to 
do anything from fish in the middle of Lake Ontario to shore fishing or little fishing. So, um, that'd be, that'd be really cool. He's, he's one of my, um, big inspirations and people that I just absolutely love to watch. And also another one, um, I don't watch him quite as much, but it's still super cool. And I tune into him as, uh, Dave Lefebvre. He's a local Erie guy and he, uh, runs Erie extreme and he actually fishes. Oh, you showed me a couple of his videos. They're yep. fishing, fishing right in the same places lake, we're yep, fishing. I, I've fished most of the places that, that he's fished. And um, he, he's real, real good at being knowledgeable and giving you tips and tricks and what he does and how he does it. And um, very, very knowledgeable about the area. So, I mean, that's kind of what he does is, is my dream, basically. What Josh and him do, I mean, Josh is on a bigger scale i mean he's millions of people see his videos and Mm -hmm. it's insane so i mean my overall dream someday yeah would be to be where josh is at to have a have a page where i mean but it it wasn't handed to him he worked for it and yeah i mean editing videos is no easy task and so you know that firsthand now yep he he keeps up with it i mean he tries to post one i think it's every thursday i think his videos come out i'm not positive on that but um He's just head over heels for it, and um, not not jealous, but is it envy? Envy him? Yeah, that, that what it is. Something just, like I think that. It's like a longing for something. Yeah, yeah. I I, I wish I could do what he does, and yeah. someday in I a mean, positive way. Yeah, in a positive way, and in a in some way or somehow, I hope that someday I can do that and make make mm-hmm. that come true. So before we wrap things up here especially when we're doing a host hot seat, we like to give the listeners something to go home with. So, Luke, why why don't you take the honors and give us tonight's write it in pen? Write it in pen? All right, I'll, I'll give everybody a second to uh, to grab their pens. Wet their quills. Wet their quill. Dip it in the ink there. All right. So my write it in pen is going to be basically, I mean, what I've talked about is talk to people. I mean, I've talked about watching YouTube videos. Um, I never stop learning. That That's going to be the line right there. That's the right in pen. Never stop learning. I know a lot of people that they fish and they get decent at it or even good at it. And they, they're the best and there's nothing else for them to learn. They're going to teach you and teach you and teach you, but they'll never take in any new info. And that's kind of when you hit a wall. I mean, fish adapt just like we do. And I mean... They get used to baits or used to different pressures or styles, and you constantly have to change up and learn and adapt And through the time of year. So I like to talk to people while I'm out fishing, either while it's on the on the radio while you're out on the boat or while you're walking down to the stream. You, you meet that old guy or something that's down there with a 40-year-old fly rod, and he's catching more fish than the, than the yuppie with $2,000 worth of gear next to him. Just... Those are the guys you want to talk to. I mean, I'm always out ice fishing, and you see the all the brand-new equipment and everything, but I'll tell you, the guy who's not in a hut and cracked his hole with a spud bar and sitting on a rusty bucket is the one who's slamming them. Mm-hmm. So I always, I always talk to people, whether it's your buddies or even online, reading forums, watching videos, just constantly constantly gain knowledge. So that, that's my ride in pen for today. That's a good one. I always... Pretty, I feel like that with literally everything. Like when so I that was, that can be applied anywhere. Not even yeah. When fishing. I was in the shooting sports, you know, even if I was a better shooter than somebody, 
they could say something in a certain mm-hmm. way or you know just say yep. something that you never thought of that makes something click for you even if it's not directly related to what yep. they said it could just be like oh you know what that makes me think about this and now i'm going to do this yep. and you know it can it might not lead to success and maybe it will yeah that's that's why that's why i said like i just always got to talk to people and could learn something and and also i mean i i get it fishing you can be a little a little stingy about it sometimes you don't want to show people um, exactly what you're using or where you're going or stuff. But I, I mean, sometimes, yeah, like I was saying earlier, I don't, I don't spot burn. I'm not telling. And some of the older guys, fi- they stopped caring a little bit about that. And you might get yep. one yep. if you're polite to them and you talk to them for a little while. Yep. They, some of them will spill the beans on, you know, yep. that hot spot that nobody's at anymore. And maybe they're too old to get to yep. or something. Um, so there's little tips are also always that, out there. And, and that's what makes it fun when, when you know about that little spot or you, and you can't you can't spill all your beans. I, there's you're gonna talk to people and no one's gonna tell you everything. But mm-hmm. like I said, you pick somebody for forty five minutes or something, <laughs> and you you get one or two things from them, and you get one or two things from a hundred different people, and you you just got a whole hell of a lot smarter, knowledgeable about that specific thing. So that's kind of that's kind of what led to my success in fishing, and I the knowledge of the state and the water and the fish in general and the equipment. And I also think I, my grandpa helps me a lot with the equipment. He, uh, you get, you get hand-me-downs from your older brothers with clothes and whatnot. And I get hand-me-down fishing equipment for my grandpa and it's, uh, usually pretty pristine. So <laughs> saves a little bit of money. Fishing yeah. stuff's usually not very cheap. No, no. So I'm pretty real, real thankful for that. But so a little thing that's, uh, started here recently with the host hot seat is the host hot seat or the guy that we're highlighting has usually been the one that uh <clears throat> excuse me closes, closes us out. out but uh before we do close everything out um i do want to remind people to check out that newest video luke worked really hard on to get out they use fishing with a&n fishing and chromatics uh, also check out the spices on huntchef.com and uh and if you're looking to film your hunts and stuff make sure you're going on to lone wolf custom gear and getting that stuff ordered I also would like to uh, mention we're going to start branching off on, on the YouTube. We're going to do maybe some uh, some customer reviews and um, maybe some tutorial videos and stuff. Um, like I said, I just got the camera. I've made two videos. And even myself, I'm not 100% happy with them, but I wanted to get you guys something to something to watch and, and listen to. And too to and, try yeah, something. I mean, and even when I post it there and now, all right, it's sitting on YouTube and I watch it. Okay, well maybe what what did Josh do different that I'm not doing or something so I'm constantly learning so I mean don't don't lose faith in us just keep watching and probably help us grow and grow with us cuz I think we're we're working hard as hell and we're going to we're going to get good and we're going to keep going you're gonna stop wa- yeah you're going to want to be there when when we hit that top of the mountain so um go ahead Luke like close like us Nick out. said uh I get to uh, to close us out of here, so I just want to say thanks again for listening and wanted to remind everybody to uh, get outside. <laughs> <laughs>